Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. Hello and welcome to Love Cars on the Grid, your global motorsport podcast roundup. Is it exciting? There's plenty to talk about and we're going to kick off with none other than Formula One because they were testing yeah. in Barcelona, but there's also a little bit of... Um, uh, other things around the around the world with uh, with um, all sorts of things going yeah, on. Yeah, lots but... of great action. Yeah, the rallies, the NASCAR, the IndyCar. So lots of looking forward to MotoGP. So yeah, plenty to chat about. But yeah, well, as always, Formula One's the headlines. And uh, Lewis and Max started um, well, putting a little bit of daggers in. Neither of them are going to let this go, are they? Well, I don't think so. And 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 you know what? Neither have got. Lewis certainly hasn't got any right to let it go because he was hard done by, and I would feel terribly hard done by. Um, but Max put in a few little daggers in about Massey um, was put under thrown a under bus. the bus. Oh, <laughs> well, well, that's a bit harsh because he wasn't thrown under the bus. He was, no. We feel a bit sorry for Michael Massey, uh, but yeah. he was inadequate for the job. But he's still got a nice new job. He's got a job. He hasn't been sacked. You know, people on the Twitter saying, "But oh, no, we don't want him sacked. He just has to be moved away from that job because he couldn't come back, and he hasn't." And that's all. But Lewis was a bit. I don't. Lewis started talking about. No um, non-biased stewards. So that, you know, Massey wasn't a steward. A lot of Twitter were, were pointing at Derek Warwick because um, he's a Honda dealer. And I find that important. I mean, Derek's one no. of the straightest guy, the most lovable, straightforward. He was a BRDC president, wonderful work for the British Racing Drivers Club for years. And uh, I think it's a shame they've, they've picked on him on Twitter, right? Oh, it's I these tenuous was... links on, on the internet. You get the most tenuous know, of links and you somehow stitch it together. That's I that's... think Antonio Liuzzi was criticised. He, he, uh, he was a Red Bull driver, of course. So he was the steward out in Brazil for the famous Max running both of them off the road. Uh, so Liuzzi might, I don't know. But it's a bit, ch- you know, with Lewis saying, non, without naming names, you know, just saying we, we must have non-biased stewards. But the trouble is every Formula One driver will have raced for a team in the past. So, you know, it's very hard to, to have someone that, you know, how do you test if they're not biased or not? You know, well, you race for McLaren, you race for, say, you race from someone in your past, therefore you're going to be biased. But I'm, I'm happy with the way they've done it. They've got two new race directors and uh, I'm sure they'll sort out the stewards as best they can. I genuinely um, don't think to... there's any bias in the motor in motor racing at all. I don't think there's any bias. I just think it's a genuine mistake. I think it could have quite yeah. easily have been a mistake the other way around, um, but it happened to be a mistake in Red Bull's favour. But it could have easily been a mistake the other way around because he he was he was not right for the job. No, so he no. made a big big mistake. But I don't. He think cracked under the pressure. He cracked under the pressure. Speaking of anyway. pressure, Tiffany Dale, you told me and our audience, and thank you by the way, our audience who listen to us, whether you have. Bad audio, good audio, lovely microphones. They all, all, you always listen to us and you always give us good feedback. So thank you for that. But you told our audience that maybe there's going to be a brawn. Maybe there's going to be this team, this super team that comes out of nowhere, a hass. That, 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 and it doesn't happen. Happened. It's, it's normal service resumes. It's Red Bull and Mercedes. Mercedes, and Mercedes won two. Mercedes won two, Lewis and George. Red Bull third with Perez, actually. Max was six. Um, Lando, fourth McLaren. I like that McLaren. I like the orange and blue. And, it's uh, a good-looking car. Looking car. So Lando, fourth. Ferrari's looking good almost every day. Ended up fifth at the end. Um, it was only really Alpine that, that didn't have a good time. And I don't know. I sort of said, if I was running a team at these tests, I know it's all, oh, what ballast, how much fuel they're running, you know, what DRS were you using, what boost were you running. Um, 
But I would always, at the end of the day, get a lap time just for your mechanics and your sponsors and your fans. I'd always want to get a lap time on the board. And they all say, oh, yeah, well, we don't know what it was. It doesn't count, doesn't matter. In fact, the sort of general order was pretty much normal Hass at the bottom and, you know, Mercedes at the front. But uh, yeah, Alpine had a bad time. And they said they didn't open the DRS ever because they had a problem with their wing. So maybe they will come out better. And of course, Alonso caught fire in the last day. The classic Fernando standing by, sulking by a burning car. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it was, you know, even Haas, what Nikita Mosepin was 14th out of the 21. Alfa Romeo didn't show very well. They had Kubica. Uh, so 21 drivers, Kubica did some testing. But, um, and in fact, you know, Mazepin was ahead of Mick, you know, but. Um, Will Mazepin be at the first race now with all the terrible, terrible things going on around the world? Um, and a lot more calling out today that you know, they've got to be banned from all sports, the Russians. Um, so maybe Mazepin will be out. And the two about Fittipaldi coming in, Pietro Fittipaldi, if you look at his track record, has done very done little much. in a competitive... He's won the um, Renault 3.5, but that was when there was only about 10 people left in it and nobody that famous was doing it. Um, so I don't know why they've got a love affair with Fittipaldi, but then people are saying, you know, Giovinazzi, you know, the Hulk coming back would be nice. Or, you know, a lot of the Formula E drivers, half the Formula E field deserve, you know, a shot at Formula One. So it'd be a shame, I think, if they can't use uh, Mazepin and they put Fittipaldi in. But a lot of talk that they won't, they'll have someone better. And, it, um, and Tiff, I don't want to get into politics, and neither do you, I know, but uh, it is awful what's going on. But you can't, you can't ban a driver because they're Russian, because it's like the, it's like the footballers. You can't ban a footballer because they're Russian. However, um, Mazepin was, I think is unfairly quoted, by the way. I'm not standing up for the guy at all, but he said that uh, he doesn't want to comment on the war and, and, and his driving. No, and then right. Jeremy Clarkson, oh, my no. goodness, the tweet, the tweet of all tweets, what? if you haven't seen it, he go on Twitter. Been, he must have, must have had a, an extra bottle of rosé, I think, but he, he just laid into it with the most awful, insulting tweet. I don't know why did that it's frustration i think with what's going on with with uh, russia of course you yeah. know and we're all very frustrated and scared and and you know what's going to happen but you can't well, I think, I think driver is, but you just ban, he, he'd have to change his license i think that's all he'd have to get a uk british license he'd have to get a license from another country it's, it's just you can't have a russian license to race you obviously can't ban the, the human being from like tennis players you know whatever so I think that that's all that will happen. He'll have to change license. If he doesn't want to do that, then he's got to leave it. But then maybe if he doesn't bring any money anymore, you know, if it's his sponsorship that's got him that seat, which everybody assumes it is, and that money dries up, then the, the contract's sort of null and void. So, so let us all know mess. below what you think of the Mazepin situation. What would you do? I mean, I think money talks, and I think he's got to be there for the money, but... What, what would you do? Because it's a difficult situation for Haas, no doubt. They've, of course, mm. lost their sponsor already. They've taken that off all the cars and the, the trucks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a very difficult situation. Let's hope it, it clears up and let's hope... But let's the cars, cars look good on track, I thought. The, the, yeah. They're saying that they're a bit cumbersome at slow call because they're heavier now. You know, we've got more more heavier cars with more safety in the regulations. Um, but they look pretty good at high speed. I like them. The, the front wing still looks a bit weird. But you but say that, Tiff... Did you see the? I think they call it porpoising. The porpoising, yeah, yeah. I was good. Where the cars bounce up and down on the on the. I've street, actually had that. Well, yeah, it's what. It's, I had it. I was testing in the 1980s when the sliding skirts. I raced in Formula One with the Ensign in 1980. They had these sliding skirts, so you had amazing seals down each side. So the, this ground effect was massive. Um, I was testing a march. It was eight one one or eight two one. The Formula One customer march. 
And it was at Silverstone Grand Prix circuit. And going down the main street, it started doing this until your, your vision gets blurred. What it actually does, it, it, it sucks the car down. So you've got this venturi, this gap between the car and the grill. This is why the suspension got stiffer and stiffer after this to make no suspension at all virtually. What happens basically, you suck the car close, then it, it blocks out the airflow, so you get no ground. So it bounces up again, and it sucks itself down, blocks the airflow, bounces up and down again. And it was horrendous. I mean, I had to come off the throttle. It, you couldn't, couldn't <laughs> drive it. Um, but yeah, they, they didn't seem too bad because nobody seemed to say they had to lift off on the straights. But uh, it'd, be, it'd be a hard thing to drive a whole race. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the new season. And, you know, I think it's going to be fantastic. I, I don't see the poor choice of it. Can I just say that we're recording this quite late, so uh, on Monday evening, so it goes out Monday, 7 o'clock, GMT, and mm. there's just been, hot off the press, a breaking news from, um, from the BBC saying that football governing bodies, FIFA and UEFA, suspend Russian clubs and national teams from all competitions. So that's go. what you'd expect, clubs, but not yeah, individual yeah. players. No. Okay. So um, Also, the other else. thing announced today, Formula One, they're going to insist, I think it's this year, on a young driver has to do two FP1s during a year. So every team must run uh, a junior driver for at least two FP1s, which it's I brilliant. think is needed. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I said once that the reserve driver, you must have a reserve driver for the season that will always do FP1. You can alternate between one driver's and the other driver's car. So then on a Friday night, Saturday night, he's actually at the track, been on the circuit and could race the car. This would be fantastic for a young driver. He does every FP1. He learns the circuits of the whole world. Um, but um, it won't, they won't go that far. But at least they're insisting by the looks of it that a young driver must do at least two FP1s. Now I'm all for... FIA. Good. Yeah, well done, F1 brilliant. FIA. Yeah, good. And, You're, and on the up. You're on the up now. You're on the up. <laughs> What else is going on? Rallycross. Oh, I yeah, thought Evan Evans was going to... Rally, gonna... rally. World Rally Championship. Rally, World Rally. Yeah, Sweden. You. Fantastic shots on the snow. And it's amazing. When you look at them on snow and ice, you think, God, how can they go that quick? But actually, the studs they're allowed to have, they've got more grip than on the British rallying on the gravel. You're not allowed studs in the UK. So they have got a lot of grip. But seeing the line and their pace notes must be so perfect because you can't really see the shape of the corner it's still white everywhere i've seen them on the television how do they Incredible. see the line and they just set the car up knowing that it's a, a 80 mile an hour corner or 50 mile an hour corner from their pace notes so that if their what, notes wrong what do they wear in terms of visor because they're, they're always open face helmet or do they ever wear yeah clothes? they all go for open face i don't know why they, i mean you have these ridiculous safety regulations you know we have to wear fireproof clothing everywhere and then you can have your face naked i mean it but dazzles me. I mean, it's just, it's just annoys the hell out of me. But dazzles, eh? Hey? Wow, but dazzles. Cool. I don't know where that came from. But that was, it was a great rally. And, uh, but it, this Cali Robin Pera, this twenty-one-year-old kid who now leads this Finnish driver, um, the son of a rally driver for Toyota, really dominated the week. Amazing driving. And it was Toyotas again. Toyotas were what first, third, and fourth with uh, Escapeca Lappi third and uh, Takamoto Katsuta fourth. Um, it's only Thierry Nouvelle who, who came through the hind in second. But the um, poor old elf in the, the, the Brits and the Irish who didn't have a good time. Craig Breen uh, stuffed his forward into a snow barrier on the first day, uh, which put him on the back foot the whole time. And then Elfin, he crashed at the end of, end of day two. He crashed across the finish line, went over a snowbank, got penalised 10 seconds. He'd left the circuit and gone out onto a production road. But then on Sunday morning, when he's trying to catch the leader, he lost it big time again. What happened? This was a controversy, and I know I'll be 
pilloried for hating it, but it's these flipping hybrids. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I mean, well, manufacturers, do we really have to have that? I mean, is this teasing? There's only three manufacturers. Well, I know Ford, Malcolm Wilson always said that Ford wouldn't have come in this year without the hybrids. But poor Octanac for the uh, for the Hyundai's, Friday evening, he's on the start for a, for a stage, and a red light comes on saying a hybrid system's gone AWOL, and that's it, you're retired. You can't drive, you mustn't touch the car. You have to wait until the hybrid manufacturers come along and defuse it. Why? Why? Oh, because it might electrocute everybody that touches the whole car, I suppose. Oh, okay. And that's the danger of, of, you know, all that electricity. But then and that was no damage to the car at all, the, the thing. And then during the whole rally, I think Rob and Pear on the last day did half the Sunday without any boost because his wasn't working. Belford, although it was because it was he'd ripped the front end off the car, but he, he was trying to fix it. He could have finished the rally, but again, his hybrid light went out completely. There was no warning light, but there was no go light. So again, they said, you can't continue. So I know people, the lucky people would say, oh, what has an engine blown never blown up? You know, has, has an internal combustion never blown up? Well, of course, internal combustions have blown up and caused retirements. But it, all you're doing with the electric hub is adding another thing that could blow up and could break and has ruined two people's rallies last weekend. And do we really need it? It's the future, Tiff. It's the future. You've got to embrace these things, you know. <laughs> wait <laughs> till Turing. You wait. We'll wait till British Turing cars with their hybrids this season. You wait till Jason Plato's hybrid push button doesn't work for a race and everybody else is overtaking him. He'll be kicking off. I mean, it, you know, the hybrids aren't going to work on that BTC. Not every car is not going to finish every race with their push-button hybrid working. The, I can't I can't believe they will. So it's, oh, it's Can you remember those complications. Uh, well, all through your uh, racing career, really, I mean, you know, certainly me growing up, 80s, 90s, um, with uh, Formula One, the amount of um, times a car will break down, you'd be well, winning yeah. the race and... And you and, think, oh, yeah, it might break down here. And, uh, sure but enough. a lot of it you see was drive rarer. I mean, so many, you know, over revvings, little, you know, flip. We had no, no rev limits in Formula One 1980. And no rev limits. No. I'm changing just... gear, flicking my little wrist, tiny gear. And if you just, oh, miss one, <laughs> rev limits. Got, and you, you pray it's still, and then, you know, you tip the valve. So, you know, a lot of those engine breakages were driver error. So it was another driver skill to change down. You know, now they turn into corners and just pull the paddle. And if you're going too fast for the lower gear, it won't go down, you know, so you yeah. can't make that error. So, anyway, going back to the rally, good for Gus Greensmith, another fifth place. I mean, Ford had a terrible time, as I said, because Craig Bream crashed out their star, but uh, Gus came through to be the top four in fifth. But one good British thing, Northern Ireland's John Armstrong took the junior world rally class. So big shout out for a Brit doing well with uh, his Irish uh, co-driver, Brian Hoy. And they won the junior class by 2.7 seconds wow. after three days of they were both in, he beats a Finn, Lauri Juna. Juna, sorry, more bad pronunciations from Finland. Uh, both in Fiesta, Ford Fiesta WR3. So fantastic. And the 14th overall, his little WR3. Amazing. So yeah, and how I mean, great, that? great. So, the trouble with the rallying, you only see it at the end of the day, you know, in the, in the highlights and um but it's, yeah, it's still hard to, to make that a live, entertaining sport. But it's fantastic shots of them going through those snowbanks. Speaking of fantastic, it looked quite spectacular. IndyCar was in St. Pete um, on the <laughs> street track. It, it's a funny, I mean, hard <laughs> to overtake there. Uh, but uh, it was, it was quite eventful. 
it's it's the thing about it is hard to overtake. There's only one long straight where they can overtake. They all got pushed to pass. You defend with your push to pass. I like their push to pass system because you've only got a limited amount of seconds you can use. So you know, if you want to overtake and someone it's the defends, same as DRS. Sure, no, what's, because what's that's difference? that's only one person has DRS. That's the okay. whole point. Yeah. So you 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 just sit there and the DRS guy. Thing, this time, if the push to pass, if the guy's coming, you can choose to use up some of your push to pass to defend with. Yep, so then if you use point. it too much, you'll run out. So it's part of the tactic of the driver. But I mean, think about St. Petersburg. I mean, it's, it's a 1.8 mile street circuit. There's 100 laps. It's incredible. The way they dabs of opposite Touching lot. They the go from, oh, it's wonderful to watch. It, there isn't much overtaking. There used to be a lot of yellows. There weren't many this year. But the story of the weekend was this Kiwi, Scott McLaughlin, yeah. who, you know, he was in the Penske supercars in Australia and did really well. And somehow Penske saw this kid and the talent and said, we, we have a fancy IndyCar. I mean, it's a huge leap from Aussie supercars to uh, IndyCar. And he had an average season last year, but it was pole position, flag to flag, tremendous drive. Um, and as you say, there wasn't much racing, but the point is, it's tactics so much because they, they fill up with fuel as well. You have to use the black tyres, the softer Red Bull tyres. So some people go for three stops, some for two stops. And often the leaders will be running 10th, 11th and 12th because the first nine were staying out trying to make it a two-stopper. So you get big traffic jams and the backmarkers don't have to let the leaders by, which is another aspect, which upsets a few drivers in IndyCar still, um, particularly... Um, was, was it, um, oh, at the end of the race, he was going mad. Pato Ward, was it? Powell, Powell, oh. Power. Will Power. Because he, they've got a new rule. They are going to use the blue flag now. If the leaders come behind a car that's already lapped. Yep. The great thing about IndyCar is you stay on the lead lap. Because you get a pace car, then you, you, you're still on the lead lap. But, well, so when the leaders caught, in fact, it was um, uh, McLaughlin was being pressured by the current champion, Palo. But Palo's teammate, Jimmy Johnson, was just up the track and McLaughlin caught him and, and Jimmy held him back legally, you know. So Palo got onto his rear end and closed the gap right down. But they both got past Jimmy. And then Power catching up in third, caught Jimmy. And Jimmy raced him. Well, now they're saying that if you're already a lap down, you should get a blue. So now because the first two have gone past him, Jimmy was a lap down... They didn't blue flag him, so there's a lot. Of, there's still a lot of uh, controversy about that. But Alex Palau came from tenth up to second. But the other fantastic thing is they haven't got power steering. <laughs> I go on again about power steering. Well, what what difference does that make, Tiff? But McLaughlin at the end was absolutely knackered. I mean, he, he collapsed. He did a few interviews. They sat down. You know, shattered. Two hours of that street circuit without power steering. That's a huge difference. You know, just not having power steering. Um, it's a massive extra fatigue. And I know you sort of don't want to handicap a sort of slender young person, you know, because it's all too tough to drive. But I think the public, you like to see that it was tough. You know, you like you to do. see someone, otherwise I could do that, you know, and you see them getting out of the Formula One, oh, yes, mm, yeah, how are your tyres, you know. And it was, it was really, it's a very hard track. Um, no good for the Brits, though. Jack, uh, Jack Harvey slammed his car into the barriers um, in qualifying. Uh, ended up 23rd on the grid, climbed back to the 13th, a fairly good climb up. Callum Illot, who, who led for a while, he's one of those guys staying out, he was holding up the leaders, so on paper he led, but he qualified 19th, finished 19th. Now, Tatiana Calderon for the ladies, um, but again, she only qualified 25th, finished 24th. I mean, she's she is the best female single-seater driver around at the moment, 
But, you know, she couldn't get off the back of the grid in the Formula 2 for a year. She went to Super Formula Japan and hasn't really got up the field. So and she's got a year of IndyCar now, but um, it's going to be a tough, tough year for her to really make any impression. But, um, yeah. So, really so in terms of IndyCar, so you say tactics play a massive part and you like the tactics, yeah. but surely a race should be won by the racing driver's ability, not from tactics of the team. Yeah, but the ability to run to the tactics is an ability as well. You know, I know sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll get the situation where someone from right at the back just happens to get to the front and there's yellows and then he leads and wins the race. But that does happen quite often as a real outsider wins. But that's just part of what they accept over there because, you know, they, they want free racing, but, they, you know, they, they don't want to penalise people from, you know, that aren't as quick as others. And yes, there are some weird results. Well, that's you know, the way they have it over there as a spectator, as a television viewer. You know, I love it. And the cars are spectacular. They're twitching all over the place. You know, that's great stuff. I love, I love the 360 cameras as well. It's, it's, yeah. it's quite good to watch, especially around the street well, circuit in St. Petersburg. One um, of the little story from St. Pete, before we leave St. Pete, is that Matty Brabham, the, son of, um, the grandson of Sir Jack Brabham, uh, he came back to Indy Lights, the sort of Formula 2, after eight years of not doing single-seater racing. He's now 20, he's now 28 years old now, so he quit at 20. He's doing those, those leaping super buggies. He's done that for eight years, the stadium <laughs> trucks. And he came back and he won, won, the, won his first race back. Very emotional moment and, and wonderful to see him. He's 28 years old, but now he could become an IndyCar driver. But you imagine a 28-year-old Formula 2 driver, what are you doing here? Why, why are you still in Formula 2 when you're 28? Yeah. You, know, you should be in GT. Well, you're more than 20. I mean, so I like it when age isn't the thing. And so really good to see Matt Brabham come back and win. Very good. Um, NASCAR. Oh, what a race. I mean, it's been controversial. I, had I came back from Daytona last week, you know, <laughs> and then came this weekend, you know, Southampton won the football. And then, you know, and then we had the IndyCar and then NASCAR. It was a great race around Fontana, two mile speedway. Really tricky. They've got these new generation cars that haven't really got sorted. They're spinning on their own at 180 miles an hour, you know, going down these clouds of smoke. Um, and throughout the whole race, there were three or four cars came to the front for a while and uh, looked like they were going to win the race. But of course, there's pace cars and some of the spins, and you have restarts. Um, and in the end, it came to this amazing night. Um, some bloke at you, I might have mentioned him before, <laughs> called um, uh, Oh, I can't remember now. Number five, by any uh, chance? Oh, oh, yes, number five. That's a good <laughs> clue, isn't it? Um, still haven't got his name. Oh, was it Kyle? So anyway, Kyle Mr. Larson. Mr. Larson, yeah. And the amazing thing about these, the NASCAR, was, you know, two or three-hour race, every pit stop, they, they change the jacking, they change the angle, they change the tyre pressures to make the car slowly get better and better. And he was having this amazing battle with Joey Legado at the front. He did a side draft. So you go down, side drafting pulls the car back. But as soon as you've done the job, you then pull away. With about 15 laps to go, he pulled away. And his spotter hadn't quite told him quick enough. His teammate in the Napa car, um, came back, Chase Elliott, was, had a huge head of steam. And he put Chase Elliott into the wall. He put his teammate into the wall. So it caused a bit of controversy with a lot of Joey, uh, with uh, Chase Elliott swearing a lot. But then it got even worse because then they had after that incident, um, um, Chase was going around with a hobbled car. It was all over the place. Something was a bit broken. He probably knew he was going to spin out any minute now. And he then got lapped by Larson. And so he knew who was leading. But Larson had quite a big lead on Joey Logano with about five laps to go. So it was going to be a cruise to the finish line. 
And, and, and Elliot said on the radio, I don't care who's who's leading. If this car spins out and causes a causes a yellow, I don't care. And of course, what happens? <laughs> Five laps to go. Larson cruising to the whim. Elliot loses control of his of his half broken car. Out come the yellow flags. So Larson had to do a restart with a you know green white checker, two lap run to the finish, but uh, managed to hold on. Cool. He, he would have felt very good if he if he uh, ended up losing that for Larson. I know. Well, you know, if he'd lost it, but then you know, Larson lost it for Elliot. So lots. Of, that's great NASCAR. It was a really entertaining race. Yes. So there you have it. Glad well, you enjoyed it. it. Uh, let us know your favourite p- bit from this podcast from uh-huh. last weekend. Yeah, from last weekend. Yes, uh, Monday. Monday. What day is it? It's Monday. Yeah, we're going live Monday. tonight. So, uh, um, as always, thanks for joining, and we'll see you. Next and coming week. up, though, can't go oh, without coming up. Talking. I was, I was eager weekend. to get on. Of course, there's NASCAR, Las Vegas, <laughs> MotoGP headlines back. is back. The most like, talk about entertaining motorsports. You know, nothing entertains more really than MotoGP. Um, of course, no Valentino Rossi, Rossi this year and no Brits again in MotoGP. But all the testing, all the bikes seem very close, very competitive. So we'll wait and see who comes out on top of MotoGP. GP2, Moto2, GP2. Moto2, can you remember the Moto3 champion you quite liked from last year who was quickest in testing on Moto2? Tell me. Pedro. Oh, okay. Ah. Acosta. Yeah. Pedro Acosta. So fascinating to see Dominic such a star. But he's cracking on now. He must be at least 17 years old. <laughs> he's anyway, always he he's always um, And we've got Britain Sam Lowe's, obviously always up front in, in Moto2 and a good chance to start. Jake Dixon, who had a bit of a lacklustre season last year. He was up there in the testing, so maybe Jake Dixon could come through. Um, and in Moto3, great news, because we're looking for British riders in the Moto. It's all these Spanish. I think the MotoGP's got... 12 Spanish riders or something in the whole field. I don't know, stupid number, about half the field. Um, but of course, we've got John McPhee, the Scottish, uh, I was going to say lad, but the 28-year-old Scotsman. He's still a lad. Or 27. <laughs> He's now starting his 13th season in the bottom former of Little Moto 3. So he'll, he'll always be up the front and battling away. But great news, and this is what maybe motorsport needs in, in cars and things. Michael Laverty, the Northern Ireland guy, he's formed this... Um, Team, what do they call the team? Vision Track Racing to put two young British guys into Moto Three. So McPhee is going to be joined this weekend by two, a 16-year-old Joshua Whiteley from um, England, and also 18-year-old Scott Scott Ogden, also from England. I think he's from Doncaster, and Joshua's from down Surrey Way. So great, we've got two young Brits that maybe in three or four years' time will follow Pedro Acosta. So something really to look out for, not only for the entertaining racing, Qatar, that weird track, which is never-ending corners and that huge, long, long straight. So great entertainment this weekend for the motorbikes. And then Sunday night, just settle down for a bit of NASCAR from Las Vegas, baby. So can I go and get dry now? Because I've been out filming all day today. Some of You've been putting your feet up, watching TV and, and drinking I've been out. I, I was away in America when all my fences had blown over. And I got tre- I've been out chainsawing trees all afternoon. I've got wet socks. It's time to go <laughs> because I've got to go change my socks and have a hot shower. But, uh, um, and, and if you haven't seen it, take a look at um, the recap Tiff and I did on the Caterham season, yes. which is a really good bit of fun. Do, quite... do Caterham's porpoise at all? I, I meant to ask you, do you have any porpoise? <laughs> they do when I drive them, but they're not, <laughs> not normally, no. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.